0: Welcome to the first podcast in our series on European real estate to keep you up to date on the sector and on tax across Europe. I'm Jessica Patel, a partner in the UK real estate and construction team. And I am joined today by Jean Nicolas Butenberg, partner and head of tax for Grant Thornton Luxembourg, Robert Murphy, and Leon Bessius from Grant Thornton Ireland and Grant Thornton Netherlands to provide you with an update on tax changes in each jurisdiction and how these are affecting the sector, including practical considerations to take into account. Before we get on to tax, I'd welcome hearing from each of you in a moment on how you see the real estate market evolving over the next few months, given the current macroeconomic environment and effects on real estate. To start us off and provide some context in terms of global trends, the greatest macroeconomic issue is rising inflation. Clearly, you know, with a Russian escalation of conflict in Ukraine, pushing energy and food costs higher, having worldwide consequences. We've seen central banks have steadily increased interest rates in an effort to curb inflation. So now the position for the real estate sector is quite different to what might have been expected earlier in the year. Taking a wider view on the UK real estate sector, as a whole, we've seen a downgrade in forecast for UK real estate with discounted asset prices evident. It is an incredibly challenging market to do property transactions. There's no doubt there is pressure on redemptions, including on pension, UK pension funds to offset rising liabilities, which, you know, this may give rise to forced asset sales. On the other hand, this could represent an opportunity for counter-cyclical investors with strong capital reserves or greater risk appetite, particularly either overseas or PE investors. We've seen this competitive pressure being reported. We might also see perhaps more domestic investors more active in the regional space as global investors are able to be more competitive in prime London real estate backed by foreign, you know, exchange currency sort of advantages. It has been difficult for clients to get a handle on valuations, making it really tricky to agree commercial terms for property transactions to get them over the line. And this is likely to be the case over at least the next six-month period, if not longer, with a festive season in between. Rising inflation and increasing interest rates, together with tightening of fiscal policy, clearly is bringing about the recession. We are seeing some refinancing where there's been a need to put in more equity to reduce the debt. Again, putting pressure to sell, particularly certain asset types like offices, given there's still an adjustment phase happening with people choosing to work in a hybrid way and the demands of ESG as well, clearly sort of giving rise to demands for a better quality of stock for tenants to occupy. Wider asset trends are moving towards quality assets and diversification into different markets as well, where returns can be maintained. So this has increased demand for housing, healthcare, life sciences and other assets with strong ESG credentials. Chris McLean, partner in our debt advisory and restructuring team, has seen lenders being much more discerning and saying no to opportunities earlier on in the process in the past few months. However, the reality is that there's still an excess supply of capital available, which you know is, is out there and needs to be spent at some point. He mentioned real estate funds, non-bank lenders and special situation funds are still sitting on large amounts of dry powder. So, you know, clearly, you know, for the right proposition, the the credit there is still available. And I'm I'm hearing the same from our clients as well. They want to do deals. It's just it's just an incredibly difficult environment for them to do them. Chris is also seeing most lenders asking borrowers to stress test forecasts at higher base rates of up to 7% interest. He suggested people need to make sure their asset can withstand higher debt service going forward. So in summary, we could see the real estate market tightening before it eases. But one thing we do know is that the UK real estate market does bounce back. It's just a question of when that will be rob you if you can provide the same insights from an irish perspective um that would be really interesting to hear
1: thanks jess well i th- i think you've probably touched on a lot of the issues and uh, same issues and trends which are also impacting the irish market particularly for foreign investment into ireland what what i would say from from an irish real estate market perspective is, is the feedback we're getting, you know, is that notwithstanding the current economic challenges, the Irish real real estate market is still performing quite well and remains a very attractive location for foreign investors. A lot of the changes are all focused on boosting residential development in Ireland as the government here tries to grapple with the ongoing housing shortage. And that's a medium to long term issue, which which isn't going to change in the short term. Having said that, I suppose the current UK economic situation is going to have a bearing on the Irish market, given our proximity and close relationship. And I think everyone's going to be watching closely to see how this influences investment decisions and how it plays out.
0: Thanks, Rob. Clearly, some similar challenges to the UK real estate market, but equally, a lot of positives there as well. And, Leon, Jean-Nicolas, are there any different themes emerging in your jurisdictions? Leon, let, let me come to you first.
2: Thank you, Jess. Well, no, in the Netherlands, we roughly see the similar trends and uh, it's a highly volatile market, even though, as you said, there's plenty of capital available and that's an, an uncertainty currently in the market. But all over, I want to to emphasize that the Dutch market is a highly developed and attractive real estate market where we expect to see more and more focus on sustainable and energy-efficient buildings.
0: Thank you, Leon. That's really interesting. Jean-Nicolas, any final thoughts on the market from your perspective?
3: Yes, just thanks. In Luxembourg, we we can see that the, the Lux government also tried to to make the residential market a bit more attractive even if, of course, in this period of economic uncertainty, property loan rates have been on the rise. We can see that on on the other hand, in order to meet the rise in demand, the, the Lux government recently proposed a couple of measures aiming at maximizing the use of land. Uh, not used yet, and optimising the already existing residential buildings. As a result of that, we can expect that investors will find it more favourable to invest in such a residential assets, and such investments are anticipated to be not in central locations such as Luxembourg City, which is, as you know, currently the, 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 the financial centre in Luxembourg, but also in locations well-connected and, and soon to be maybe the, the preferred location for real estate investments.
0: Thank you, Jean-Nicolas. Now on to tax changes and impact on real estate. For the UK, we've seen a lot of fluctuation from the UK government regarding its tax approach, which I'm sure you'll be aware of, with the mini budget under Truss's administration viewed as the biggest tax cutting programme in 50 years. However, following losses to the pound and a spike in interest rates as the market reacted, much of the mini budget has been reversed. And that was shortly after the mini budget by the new Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt. For the real estate sector, the cumulative tax legislative effect is relatively limited. Corporation tax is set to remain at 25% from April 2023. The SDLT threshold rose on 23rd of September 2022 for home buyers. You now won't have to pay stamp duty land tax on the first £250,000, doubling from the previous threshold. And first-time buyers have also benefited from targeted tax relief as the STLT threshold for them increased to 420000 on properties worth up to 625000 the alternative investment allowance will also be permanently uplifted to a million after the increase was initially suggested as a temporary measure to counteract the economic impact of COVID-19. Definitely a plus for those carrying out extensive capex works. Slightly less clear is the fate of investment zones proposed by the government, which aimed really to give you know, low tax and low regulation areas to incentivise growth. Now that Rishi Sunak has been appointed, we don't anticipate further tax cuts in the near term. You know, there will be further squeezes on spending. Some difficult decisions certainly lie ahead. I'm really interested to hear how his relations develop with other world leaders over time and how that plays out for investment into the UK. Consequently, changes in the UK real estate sector have been less driven by recent changes to tax legislation and more by wider economic context in the UK. Whilst clearly there are significant macroeconomic factors, the impact in the UK has been exacerbated by a combination of Brexit, COVID aftermath and political volatility with inflation and interest rates both climbing. More generally, though, the increase in the main corporation tax rate has been factored in by the sector. And this has prompted an increase in interest in the REIT regime, where some recent sort of administrative simplifications are now making the tax advantages more attractive. Additionally, the permanent increase in annual investment allowance may be a useful tool for REITs as well, looking to manage their ongoing dividend requirements. Another option is the new qualifying asset holding company regime. This is an attempt to mimic Luxembourg's popular fund structures in the UK. And we've, we've seen limited uptake on these structures, though. However, there may be some appetite for the larger pan-European funds who are interested in being based in the UK. That's been a relatively quick overview of what is a rapidly changing environment for the UK, But in some ways, the UK is facing challenges of its own creation. And so it will be really interesting to see how this compares to other jurisdictions. John nicolas tell me about the recent tax changes in your your jurisdiction and what impact is that having on real estate investment and structuring?
3: Yes, Jess. So in Luxembourg, some tax measures were recently introduced this year and then that could have an impact on, on real estate investors. Uh, More specifically, we can mention the the 2023 draft budget law, also a draft real estate law introducing some uh, amendments, and the publication of an administrative circular on the real estate levy that was uh, issued last year. And on on a more international note, I, I would mention the the Draft Anti-Tax Avoidance, uh, Directive 3, ATAB 3, and, and Pillar 2. F- first of all, I would like to talk about the very recently introduced 2023 Draft Budget Law, which strives to provide clarification on, on the reverse hybrid rules by stating that it's solely applicable if the double non-taxation of the income is as a result of its qualification and not as a result of the tax exams status of the investor or lack of residence concept. This clarification is quite welcome for investment funds whose investor base consists of sovereign wealth funds, foreign pension funds, or whose entities are located in jurisdictions that do not impose a tax comparable to corporate income tax. At the same time of the release of the 2023 budget bill was also introduced a draft real estate law, which also made various amendments, including the modification to the real estate tax and the creation of two other real estate taxes in Luxembourg for unbuilt land tax and unoccupied residential real estate tax. These amendments strive to encourage maximizing the land that has not yet been used, as well as to optimize the capacity for residential buildings already available. The real estate property tax computation now brings the focus to the potential a plot of land has, which is determined by the government, less a fixed allowance and then further taxed by the municipalities. The third measure, which could have an impact on the real estate market, relates to the publication of an administrative circular, Providing guidance on a real estate levy that was implemented in 2021 for investment funds investing in the local market, and this is quite new. This circular on real estate levy seeks to regulate Luxembourg fiscally opaque investment vehicles investing in Luxembourg real estate through a fiscally transparent entity. In such cases, the tax opaque entities are now subject to a 20% tax rate on the gross rental income derived from the real estate as well as on disposal gains. Finally, I wanted to mention two other measures that have an impact on a more international level, namely the ATAT-3 Directive, which aims at tackling entities lacking commercial or economic substance, and Pillar 2 Directive. To be more specific, for ATAT-3, some of the getaways criteria could pose difficulties for investment fund structures investing in foreign real estate properties. For instance, if an EU entity holding more than 50% of foreign real estate could fulfill one of the three getaways criteria and be considered as a shell entity. It is, however, fair to say that given the current political and economic context in Europe, it may be not a top priority on the agenda of the EU Commission. With regards to Pillar 2, it could also have some impact on real estate investors, in particular, where an investment fund or real estate investment vehicle that is classified as the ultimate parent entity may benefit from an exemption from the scope and therefore is not subject to Pillar 2 rules.
0: Thanks, Jean-Nicolas. There's clearly a lot for investors to take note of from a Luxembourg tax perspective. So what are the practical considerations real estate businesses need to take into account given these changes?
3: Uh, I would advise clients in the real estate business to be on the radar for the latest developments regarding Pillar 2 and the adoption of the, the ATAT 3 directive and to consider, of course, reviewing their structure in place in case they would fall within the scope of these
0: directives. Thank you. Some key takeaway points there from a Lux viewpoint. Rob, have there been recent tax changes in Ireland and and is this having an impact on real estate investment activity and structuring?
1: Thanks, Jess. Um, Well, the Irish government budget for 2023 was announced on 27 September last and then subsequent to this, our finance bill, which sets out the legislative proposals for the tax changes, was published last week as due to be enacted before the year end. Now, from an Irish perspective, while there were no big ticket tax announcements per se, there were some important announcements from a real real estate perspective, and I'll, I'll mention some of the key ones. So as firstly, as widely expected, there was no major changes to the corporate tax regime or rates announced, so our 12.5% rate for trading profits remains. I should mention that Ireland does remain committed to the future introduction of Pillar 2 in line with the EU directive process, which will of course bring our effective rate up to 15%, but only for companies within the scope of the directive. Secondly, for stamp duty, our residential property development refund scheme for stamp duty has been extended from 31 december 22 to the end of 2025. So this provision provides for a partial refund of stamp duty where land is purchased and then used to build residential property and the the effect of the provision is essentially it reduces the seven and a half percent rate paid to two percent and generates a refund to the taxpayer. There were also some technical amendments to the provisions for the 10% stamp duty rate, which applies to bulk purchases of houses and the related refund schemes. And interestingly, we also have a new provision um, that's been proposed, which will enable a full refund of stamp duty, whether it's paid at 1%, 2% or the 10% rate where a residential property is acquired and then sold within 12 months to an eligible applicant uh, under the Affordable Housing Act. So this is a very targeted measure for the affordable housing schemes, which is an interesting addition. Thirdly, in terms of further assistance to the housing market, it was announced that the Help to Buy scheme, which is a scheme which provides for a cash tax refund to help homebuyers, that was due to end in 2022. It's now going to be extended to the end of 2024. So I think this two-year extension, coupled with the recently announced relaxation of the central bank rules on mortgage lending, here will be will be welcome from a market perspective. Um, from. On the interest limitation rules and, and in a positive development and um, the exemptions from the application of the ilr rules have now been expanded to include certain large-scale residential developments so typically including developments of 100 or more dwellings or the development of student accommodation that includes 200 or more bed spaces so this is a very positive amendment which should reduce the impact of the ilr rules on construction of those types of residential properties for any companies that would have been within scope of the rules Um, Another important amendment is proposed for the withholding and reporting regime for non-resident landlords, so typically foreign investors holding Irish property. There's some additional reporting requirements now proposed for the tenants and also a change to the withholding process for collection agents acting on behalf of those landlords, so those parties will need to be made aware of those changes. Next is just around the our residential zone land tax, which was a previous year announcement, but it was again, it was mentioned in the minister's budget speech this year, and there's also some technical amendments in the finance bill, but it was interestingly and similar to, to what Jean Nicholas mentioned in Luxembourg, these, these, this is a tax that's targeted at, you know, where land has been zoned for and serviced for residential development, but that has not actually been brought into use. Um, from 2024, we'll now start applying a 3% rate of tax to the market value of the land. And there's maps due to be published by local authorities in November this year detailing what land is going to be proposed to be in scope. And I suppose it'll be interesting to see, you know, what land will be brought into scope and whether this actually will increase any supply of zone land to the market. I suppose on the back of that, then, we've also had an announcement for a vacant homes tax, which will apply to residential properties, which are occupied for less than 30 days in a 12 month period. There's a bit of detail behind that proposal. And some exemptions but again it's a targeted measure which looks to bring vacant residential properties back into use and that that'll that'll commence in November 2022. I think lastly and probably the most talked about announcement was the introduction of the new levy on certain concrete products and this has been brought in to help fund the exchequer with the costs associated with helping homeowners who were affected by defective concrete products that were used in the building of their homes it applies to certain concrete blocks pouring concrete and certain other concrete products. The, the levy had been announced on budget day but already there's been changes from what was originally announced due to industry and stakeholder pressure so what's proposed now is that we'll apply at a rate of five percent for the f- point of first supply in Ireland and it's likely to kick in from first September 2023 it also introduces pay and file obligations for suppliers um and I think you know this this will already this will increase construction costs in a, in a sector that's already very challenged by inflation. So I think there were some other minor amendments, but those are probably the key amendments, Jess, from an an international real estate perspective for Ireland.
0: That's really interesting, Rob. Quite a few tax changes and reporting requirements to take note of, particularly the levy on, on concrete products. That is interesting and what impact that will have in the short to medium term. Chris McLean, who I mentioned earlier, and I was speaking about UK property developers putting the next phase of developments on hold. Um, or they're taking longer to commence, given high inflationary environment. It's proving difficult for both sides to find an acceptable level of risk, uh, especially where contractors and suppliers are locked into fixed price contracts. Sounds like there are some similar challenges in that respect. What are the practical considerations real estate businesses need to take into account following the changes you've outlined? Jean Nicolas mentioned at three is that.
1: the agenda for your clients as well? Yeah, so I suppose aside from the the, the technical changes I mentioned, I think from from an Irish perspective um, there were no significant changes from a corporate tax perspective. Interestingly and on foot of a recently published government commissioned report on the wider tax system in Ireland, the minister has indicated that there is going to be a review commencing of the Real Estate Investment Trust or REIT and Irish Real Estate Fund or IREF regimes in Ireland and that's with regard to institutional investment in the property market. As was the, the purpose of that review is to consider those structures and how best they can continue to support the government's housing policy objectives. Now, while the review is not impacted on the current finance bill, it does signal that in the medium term there may be some potential changes. So I think this together with, you know, the pending EU directives you mentioned, ATAD3, Pillar 2, Deborah, etc. It means we're having regular discussions with clients about their corporate structures and the potential impact of the changes. I suppose what we would be recommending is to keep those structures under ongoing review as the legislative proposals evolve. And I think just, a wider point maybe in terms of some of the practical considerations and while it's not a 2023 announcement our our ilr or interest limitation rules came into effect from the first of january this year and while we're not discussing the detail here today the the irish rules do include some exemptions and carve-outs and most notably a de minimis exemption whereby net interest expense below three million uh, it was generally fully deductible and that the, the restriction doesn't apply and i think it's just interesting in the context just that you mentioned about the you know the interest rate environment where we're seeing that some real estate businesses which may have initially structured finance below the de minimis threshold you know may now find themselves falling within the rules as rates increase particularly when you factor in wider interest equivalent costs so outside your, your normal interest rate and where rates on intercompany debt are adjusted so for example for transfer pricing purposes. I had mentioned the additional exemption for large scale residential development, which will be helpful, however, that only applies to certain residential developments and won't apply to commercial developments. So I think what we'd be saying to clients is, is, look, you need to regularly review your financial models and financing structures to assess whether any of those changes are, are likely to impact your interest deductibility.
0: Many thanks, Rob, for sharing such valuable tax insights from an Irish perspective. Really interesting. The interest limitation rules are similar to the UK's corporate interest restriction rules, which can really impact highly leveraged structures from a real estate perspective. Turning to Leon, from a Dutch tax perspective, tell me about the recent tax changes in your jurisdiction and is this having any impact on real estate structuring?
2: Uh, thank you, Jess. Well, traditionally September uh, we have budget day in the Netherlands. This year they announced the tax plans for 2023 and they gave an indication of certain plans for 2024. Uh, the overall focus was on maintaining purchasing power and uh, measures to fund this. It boiled to an, down to a number of limited changes for 2023. For the corporate income tax it holds that the corporate income tax rate increases The increase is limited to the first bracket, Uh, the rate of the first bracket goes up with 4% from 15% till 19% plus additionally the bracket itself decreases. It used to be almost 400k and now it's boiled down to 200k. Uh, We see an effect that uh, that effective tax rate just increases. The impact we see in the market is that real estate investors need to recalculate their investments. Uh, Another point, uh, another tax trend was the real estate transfer tax. Uh, As of 2011, there's a distinction in rates between a a general rate and a residential real estate. Uh, The general rate has taken a flight over the last couple of years uh, and now it changes again with uh, 2.4% from 8% to 10.4, and the general rate applies to the acquisition of non-residential real estate, like offices or logistics, and it relates to the acquisition of residential real estate by legal entities or by private individuals who qualify as investors. And uh, a part of that, we have the residential real estate transfer tax rate. Uh, it's 2%. It doesn't change. It applies provided the residential real estate is used as a main residence of the buyer. And in certain cases, uh, exemptions apply, but that's only for qualified, qualifying starters on the real estate market. And all of these measures are aimed at discouraging investors in the real estate market for res- uh, for residents. It comes on top of more local measures, like the self-reside obligation that's already in place in some bigger cities like Amsterdam, Utrecht and Rotterdam. Uh, The impact on the market is if real estate investors target any real estate they should try to acquire this year. And in that, let's say almost red race, we see that wealthy individuals are in a better position compared to institutional parties as uh, the latter have to go through a number of checks balances and procedures before they can make a deal. Uh, Those were the 2023 changes and uh, with the budget day the government also announced to change the fiscal investment institution regime per 2023. Uh, Maybe it's good if I just go into the basics of the FII Uh, The idea behind it is that it serves as a pooling vehicle for investors. Uh, The FII is subject to 0% CIT, so effectively it's tax exempt, provided certain conditions are met. Uh, For example, it should distribute its results within eight months after closing of the respective book year. And certain debt-to-equity ratios should be respected. For real estate, it holds that it can be financed up to 60% of the real estate's book value. And for other investments, like let's say regular portfolio investment, a 20% threshold applies. And the changes they now introduced, uh, do note there's no yet uh, any tax law behind it or a proposal. uh, The changes boil down to the following. Uh, If you want to maintain the FII status, uh, FII's are not allowed anymore to directly invest into real estate. Uh, An indirect uh, investment is allowed and if you take that into mind that there's a specific debt-to-equity ratio of 60% which applies to direct real estate as that is not allowed anymore, you will need Additional equity financing. The impact on the market uh, of FII is the following. Uh, we strongly suggest that you moni- monitor the tax law proposals. We expect to come. Uh, we expect that these come in 2023 and analyze the different scenarios. For example, if you want to maintain your status uh, and you have direct real estate, you have to restructure and if you do that do it tax efficiently consider rollover relief possibilities for corporate income tax purposes and reorganization facilities for the real estate transfer tax and if you have gone through that hurdle then review your financing need as you will definitely need to finance with equity Uh, on the other side if you do not want to maintain your status. Uh, if you lose the status, so to say, then you become subject to the general corporate income tax rate. And like we which we saw during the credit crunch, uh, you think you need to think about opening balances, discussions, and valuations of your investments. And with the rather volatile market in mind, it could be a possibility to bring tax losses forward. And I have to say, it's mainly losses, those tax losses relate to devaluation of real estate.
0: Thanks, Leon. Some really targeted tax increases there. It's worth monitoring the proposed changes to FII closely and the impact on making investments into Dutch real estate. And Leon, from your perspective, what do you consider the practical considerations to be for real estate businesses
2: I think the, the the CIT rate is not that incremental. It's a slight increase. Um, but for the real estate transfer tax, uh, the, the change in real estate transfer tax, it it well, it needs you to recalculate your investment and perhaps see if you can acquire this year. But again, uh, with this year, we also see that the market is quite volatile and prices can, uh, can do strange things.
0: That's great. Interesting takeaway points there from a Dutch perspective. And that brings us to an end. Hopefully you've enjoyed today's session. We've had some really useful insights from across our member firms. If there are any queries on any of the matters we've discussed, please feel free to get in touch with us. And we hope you can join us for our next European Real Estate podcast.